Hello, I'm Josh Waters, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Rotten to the Core. Today, we're going to look into the life and story of child murderer Jesse Pomeroy. We all come from families that have a few skeletons in the closet. We all face different challenges at such young ages, often not fully unwrapping the trauma until much later on in our lives. Sometimes, that trauma we face as children can have lifelong repercussions. As we will learn in today's episode of Rotten to the Core, the life and story of Jesse Pomeroy, we will find out how this underprivileged child was convicted of first-degree murder. Born on November 29, 1859, in Charlestown, Massachusetts, Jesse Harding Pomeroy developed what was then referred to as humor when he was an infant. No, that doesn't mean he had a sense of humor. It's more of a eye disorder. Though he recovered from the unspecified ailment, his right pupil had been scarred at birth and would be covered in a thick film for the rest of his life. When I started this episode, a few questions came to my mind. What are some psychological drawbacks of growing up in poverty and undereducated? Well, I found that impoverished children tend to have more antisocial conduct, such as aggression and bullying, and an increased sense of helplessness than children who grew up in middle-income homes. They also tend to have more chronic psychological stress and short-term spatial memory. Another question was, what would be a good guess on his current knowledge of death and the implications of his actions? I found that children between the ages of 9 to 12 years old possess a cognitive awareness about death and its finality. There's also tends to be a strong tendency towards denial about death. There's also an increased interest in what possibly happens after someone dies. Those questions crossed my mind as I was researching, and I really was just curious as to what could lead someone so young to commit such heinous acts towards another person. Jesse, he was from an impoverished family and was born with his eye defect. He was undereducated and was ridiculed and made fun of by other children. Jesse's family life was rocky, to say the least, which likely contributed to the violent outbursts which would come on so early on in his life. His older brother was oblivious to him, oftentimes focusing most of his attention on finding girls instead. When he was home, though, he was working and receiving more abuse from his father, without anyone really there to give him any type of comfort. His own father was repulsed by his eye disorder and would often be vocal about Jesse's role in his unhappiness, frequently forcing Jesse to strip naked to ensure his beatings would hurt all the more. It is unknown if his father sexually abused Jesse. That being said, his knowledge and means of abuse on his victims hints that 
he had to possess some knowledge about sex and how it could be forced upon another person. Also, seeing how Jesse would choose victims who were younger and smaller than himself shows that he wanted to be in charge of what was happening. Where would a child learn that someone could be sexually dominant from? None of the other children his age really had much to do with Jesse. And as we know, his brother was not interested in the young boy. It would seem that his most personal relationship was with his father. No matter how abusive or toxic, his father is the one who showed Jesse the most attention. At just 12 years old, Jesse would commit his first known violent act on December 22, 1871. He lured a young boy to a secluded location, stripped him naked, tied him to a beam, and beat him unconscious with a rope. Jesse would then trap and physically attack six more younger boys over the next nine months. Before long, Jesse would start implementing a knife in his attacks, even using pins that he would stick into the victims and their genitalia. Those violent encounters of 1871 to 1872 weren't the end. They were just the beginning of a tale of an evil youth and violence that would claim many more victims. He would strip, bind, gag, and sometimes stab his captives. Other times, he'd knock out their teeth. But he didn't kill anyone just yet. The violent encounters didn't result in death. They were just ruthless, savage beatings of small children, precursors to Jesse's murders. On July 4th, 1872, Jesse Pomeroy took a young boy named Johnny Balk to his preferred secluded location. Jesse then started to beat him, tortured him, and when the boy finally regained his strength and was able to walk, Jesse helped him to a local creek where he would wash the boy's wounds with the salt water that flowed in it. There is no question by now that Jesse was a sadist. While sadism itself is terrible enough, Pomeroy was likely also a psychopath. Such people have general desires to harm others. Often, they show disregard for the feelings or rights of other people and a willingness to put others at risk for their pursuits of pleasure. They are generally highly manipulative and are often criminal offenders. Some research distinguish sociopaths and psychopaths in that sociopathy develops in response to external stimuli, whereas psychopaths are born with the disorder, and external forces activate that. Jesse Pomeroy was likely the latter, judging by the young age that his violence manifested itself. Jesse Pomeroy was also categorized as what is known as an organized lust killer, Lust killers are primarily motivated by sexual ends and hedonistic pleasure, rather than financial or material gain. Psychological issues such as anger, hatred for women or men specifically, or other mental health problems. Lust killers get off on harming, torturing, and killing their victims. 
They often practice necrophilia and cannibalism as a sort of sexual act, consuming and keeping the victims they're sexually attracted to. Peter Curtin and Jeffrey Dahmer are good examples of lust killers. Peter Curtin would often not achieve orgasm without torturing some animal or another person. Lust killers, they're also known to pose bodies in various ways, take pictures of their victims, and return to where the bodies were dumped to have sex with the corpses. This is most definitely Jesse Pomeroy, who would masturbate to the torture of his victims. At the same time, he inflicted inhuman amounts of pain on them, whipping them, beating them, binding them, and subjecting them to the extreme cold weather of winter, all in the nude. Even as a young boy, Pomeroy took erotic pleasure from the act of torturing and eventually killing his victims. While Jesse Pomeroy had a comparatively low body count compared to other killers, what is striking is his young age when the murders began. Even though this isn't unheard of, there have been young killers for as long as there have been people on the earth. In April 1874, a couple of boys searching for clams and other various fun items on the beach were about to make a gruesome discovery. In a ditch, they found the body of a four-year-old boy named Horace Millen. The corpse had been nearly torn apart by a savage maniac. His genitals had almost been entirely cut off, and he had stab wounds and X shapes all across his body. One of his eyes had been gouged out, and his throat had been slit. Young Horace's body had also been set on fire. This was what Jesse Pomeroy did for twisted erotic pleasure. Two men spotted a boy fleeing the scene on the same day when the body was discovered, and police instantly had a hunch and a suspect in Jesse Pomeroy. Some weeks prior, on March 18, 1874, a 10-year-old girl named Katie Curran had disappeared. Police investigated and found that the last place she was seen was the shop owned by the Pomeroy family, where Jesse often worked. Police took this all into account after discovering Millen's body and went to question Jesse. They found him with his clothes soaked with blood, which they presumed to be that of Horace's. Upon further investigation, police discovered that Jesse had scratches on his skin, defense marks from the attack on Horace, and his boot prints matched those found at the beach where Horace's body was found. They also found a bloody knife on his person, and police believed they had their suspect. As police began questioning Pomeroy, they wanted to be confident and obtain a confession with all of their physical evidence. They asked the boy if he had killed Horace Millen, and Jesse coldly replied, as factually as possible, I suppose I did. Then the police were in for a surprise that they had no idea they had come to. Jesse confessed to the murder of 27 other people. It is doubtful, though, that he was telling the truth. Police dug around the shop and found Katie Curran's remains. Jesse was then brought up on charges for the murder of Horace, and for, at the time, they had enough evidence to take him to trial. A question that comes to mind is, shouldn't Jesse's parents be to blame for part of this? 
As a parent, your job is to protect your children and watch over them. I know that his parents weren't interested in Jesse, but their lack of love for him doesn't take away their responsibility to protect him. For a 12-year-old to murder someone and dispose of the body in a basement of their shop, I believe that they should have received some of the blame for his actions. My own mother would watch my brother and I like a hawk. I do find it hard to believe that they were utterly oblivious to what the boy was up to. Jesse would ultimately be found guilty of both the murders of Millen and Curran. He was initially sentenced to die. However, on September 7, 1876, Jesse Pomeroy would have his sentence commuted to life in prison. Jesse spent the rest of his life at Charleston State Prison. In 1917, he lived in solitary confinement, and he died, still incarcerated, on September 29, 1932, at the age of 72 years old. It is thought that Jesse Pomeroy may have had a predisposition towards violence that was further exasperated by life events, which even to this day, further begs the age-old question, are there some people who are just born to kill and be destructive? A large body of work has brought forth evidence suggesting that some people may have a genetic predisposition towards violence and aggression, which can predict violent behavior in combination with external forces. And poor Jesse would have been no stranger to such tendencies. There are specific genotypes of the MAOA gene that may play a role in the desire to be violent towards others. Jesse likely had that same predisposition as his crimes began at an unusually young age. Now that we have all of the information presented to us, what are your thoughts on Jesse? I do believe that he committed the crimes he was charged with, but perhaps should have been placed into a facility better suited for someone who has mental illness than a prison in isolation. I don't believe Jesse was born inherently evil, but still, due to his trauma from outside sources, he grew into a sadistic personality that would no longer have human consciousness and cause him to fulfill all of his twisted desires. My motto in life is to take full responsibility for all of my actions. If I were to start somehow developing thoughts similar to Jesse, I would seek help immediately before I would let myself succumb to them. At that time, it seemed the young boy didn't have a friend in the world, but surely there is a pastor or priest or someone he could have sought help from versus rape, torture, and eventually murder. That's a big reason why I chose Jesse for this episode. Do I believe that his desires constantly corrupted him? No. But a part of him, down to his core, was rotten and capable of committing such heinous crimes. The takeaway I hope you receive from today's episode is this. Don't ever let yourself be a victim of your past. Every day that we draw breath is another opportunity to be better than before. If you are suffering from any thoughts of causing harm to yourself or others, please seek help before you act upon them. Every single life is precious and meaningful. Don't let a lousy beginning take away your potential to be your best self.
As always, I appreciate your support and thank you for joining me on another episode of Rotten to the Core. I am Josh Waters, your host, and I hope you all have an excellent rest of your day. If you would like to stay up to date on all news and episodes, please wander over, like, and follow Rotten to the Core on Facebook at It's Rotten to the Core, Instagram at It's Rotten to the Core, Twitter at Rotten in History, or just go to www.itsrottentothecore.com for this and all other episodes. Thank you, and have a blessed day.